You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we are in kind of the final segment taking a look at our core values, just the values that Sunnybrook was sort of founded on and that we are looking to live out each and every day in all of the ministries that happen from Sunday morning to kids, to children's, to anything that we do uh, hopefully reflects the core values that we hold to. So we're going to try to do three. So I know you typically like to be long-winded, so I'm going to need you to be... I'll discipline I'll, myself yes, the best I can. need you to be short-winded today. So we'll take a look at this next one. We did kind of relationships last time. This one goes in a little bit of a different direction. I'm excited to talk about them because I think there are some that you got to kind of flesh out what exactly this means. Uh, so number eight is that excellence honors God and inspires people. Yeah. It, remember I told you the one that was so controversial was, you know, this idea of being culturally relevant and doctrinally pure. This was the second most controversial one. And I remember as we worked through it, thinking to ourselves, we just don't want to be that church where, you know, somebody raises their hand and says, I'll sing a solo today. And you get up and everybody is cringing because they just don't have that gift. So we said, listen, we want excellence in any ministry, in any area that we do it, because we believe it both honors God and we believe it inspires other people to kind of figure out what their spiritual gift is and plug it into play. The scripture we used was Malachi chapter one. Do you remember when the prophet says, you know, God speaking through the prophet says, listen, I would rather we shut the doors of the temple than you would offer me as sort of your worship, these blemish lambs. Obviously God had one of the best from their herds and from their flocks. So he's saying, listen, I, I would just as soon stop worship. Then you bring me your second best. And so we said with regards to whatever we did, if you're teaching a children's Sunday school class or you're serving behind the scenes in, in an unseen role, do your very best. First fruits, this idea of excellence before God, we, we want to do our very best. So mm -hmm. we, we made that sort of commitment, whether it was teaching, whether it was preaching, whether it was singing, whether it was teaching in the children's ministry, whether it was just simply doing something administrative. We, we said we want to always be done with excellence. Mm -hmm. I think this is the one that we probably get uh, both the most compliments on and also the yes. most critiques on, that we get a lot of, you know, it doesn't hinder the worship that they're so... It's just such a worshipful place on Sunday mornings because we're prepared and we're ready and the lyrics are there and the singers have practiced and all of those kinds of things. But I think there is a critique side sometimes from people of, you know, are you allowing the spirit to move or are you too regimented? Are you too doing everything by the book? Yeah, and I always say this. I'm convinced the Holy Spirit can work mm -hmm. in the time of your preparation as much as he can work in the moment. And sometimes, let's be honest with each other, that's yeah. just an excuse for not preparing as well. I just want the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to move. So we, we say he can move all throughout that time together. And, and we often think to ourselves, listen, we don't want to be kind of performance oriented. But at the same time, we do want it to be done with excellence. We believe not only does it honor God, but we believe other people, you know, will be inspired by it, will be encouraged by it, will be moved by it. 
Uh, so we want to do it with the best that we possibly can. The example I always give, and uh, we're laughing at this because I said I wanted to share a story with you, but I remember one time when I was in youth ministry, I was coming to church on Sunday morning, and I noticed there's a car weaving in front of me, and I'm like, oh, it's pretty early on a Sunday morning for somebody to be drunk. I got up <laughs> alongside of him, and I recognized it's an elder from our church, and I'm like, oh, an elder from our church has been drinking. <laughs> then I look inside it. He's got his Sunday school manual on the <laughs> steering wheel and he's reading it as he's driving. That's not excellence. He should have prepared long before, been ready to go. You don't read the story on the way on Sunday morning. So, so, so that always for me was this motivation of whatever we do, I don't care if you're teaching kids, adults, I don't care if you're preaching on Sunday morning or doing something behind the scenes, do your very best. It honors God. Yep. And I think it's funny how sometimes that excellence and preparation in one area is honored and then excellence and preparation in another area can be perceived as performance when both are exactly honoring in their preparation. And I mean, I obviously have kind of the main view of worship team. That's kind of the team, the creative team that I lead. But to see them they come having rehearsed and honored God with their preparation. They do a devotion on Thursday night together. They pray before every single service on Sunday morning. By the time we get to Sunday morning, we've done the service like three times already. So they then can just worship and allow the spirit to move because they've prepared themselves for what the morning is going to I think that's huge. I do. And, and, and a lot of that, I think, just ingrains it deeper in people mm -hmm. so that they're free then to be able to worship and lead us in that fashion. If you ever want to do something without excellence that doesn't honor God, you could have me sing on a Sunday morning. <laughs> nope, uh, it's a core value. No, nope. I, I think that nope would, can do. would make this value come to life. <laughs> you sing loud, though. If people stand near us, you I do make a joyful noise. I sing noise. well, but I yep. sing loud. Yep. Uh, so let's continue on. I just don't think we should dive any further into your singing on Sunday I'm, morning. I'm so we'll just on move on to the next one. So the next core value has to do uh, with leadership and uh, the church, how they use those leadership gifts as well. Again, just kind of falling into the idea of the spiritual gifts that we've been given and using those gifts as best we can. So the core value is this, that churches should be led by men and women with leadership gifts. Yeah, I'll tell you where that came out of. It came out of a lot of us that have been in churches before where you go, well, it's Bob's turn to be an elder. I mean, he's been around here a long time and Bob's been a good guy and now it's Bob's turn. Mm -hmm. and, and we kind of said to ourselves, listen, that's really not how a church should be led. We should ask people, you know, when we do this, they fill out forms of, hey, I've come to know Christ to the best of my ability from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here's the qualifications of an elder uh, in the church. To the best of my ability, I live uh, inside of this. And then we'd ask them this question. Are you gifted in the area of leadership? Because a lot of times it's not just sort of the next person up to be involved in leadership. But the idea was this. Do you have leadership gifts? Because if you have... Uh, administrative gifts, go administer. You got mercy gifts, go to the hospital or people's homes and, and minister to people, whatever your gifted area is. But as Romans chapter 12, about verse 8 says, listen, if you have the gift of leadership, then lead. Mm. So not only do we go through qualifications for elders and leaders in the church, but we also say to them, listen, are you gifted in the area of leadership? Because there's nothing more frustrating <laughs> than having somebody with mercy gifts not be able to make a decision and all of those kinds of things or more of a managerial person that wants to get involved in the nuts and the bolts. There, there is a certain giftedness that's given to leaders. They, 
they see things clearly, they can take in a lot of information, they can decipher that and make uh, decisions. And I think it moves and advances the vision that God's given to the church. So that's why we say, listen, we've got to have men and women that that literally have this gift of leadership. And as we talk about who leads the church, you're mentioning the elders, and some people I feel like maybe don't know what our church structure necessarily is. You can, can you speak into the yeah. role of an elder a little bit and what they Yeah, we always say this, body? if we paint you out of structure, obviously Christ is the head of the church, but after that comes sort of this governing body, a plurality of leaders. We don't think it's one person. I happen to be an elder, uh, but I don't actually have a vote. So we have six elders that kind of lead the church, this plurality of leaders that study scripture, pray together, and then make decisions as to where the church goes next. Those elders, though, are put in place by the church. So people nominate, hey, listen, I, I think this person has gifts of leadership. I think they're a godly person. And then the name is submitted. And then we kind of go through a vetting process where you know, former elders and members of the congregation meet with them, sort of hear their testimony, hear their giftedness, hear their qualifications, ask them theological questions to make sure they align with where they're at. Mm -hmm. And then we vote together uh, from the congregation to put people into those positions of leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously, as you kind of list out what their responsibilities are, kind of leads us into our next core value because the life that they lead and their devotion to Christ and his call upon their life is incredibly important to how they lead the church. Very much so. It's, it's the thing we examine. And I even talk about this when they start, but we take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the qualifications of you know, how they treat their wives or their husbands, their spouses, uh, how they do in disciplining their kids how they do in sort of living before the world and those kinds of things, because that really is our last value. We said, listen, the, the pursuit, full mm -hmm. pursuit of Christ and his cause needs to be normal for every believer. We want to have that, that all of us are trying somehow to be a little bit more like Jesus today than what we were yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we're pursuing that with fuller, deeper devotion. Mm -hmm. Yep, you just kind of said it, but the last core value is exactly that, that the pursuit of full devotion to Christ and his cause is normal for every believer. Yeah, and the idea behind that was we wanted everybody in the pew to know it wasn't good enough to just sort of, hey, I go to church and I'm a good person and I'll stop there. But we said, no, every day we want to wake up and we want to try to pursue Christ, fuller, deeper devotion. In fact, I often go to that scripture in 1 Kings chapter 11, about verse 4. Uh, it's literally talking about the fact that Saul and all of his wives had kind of led him astray to worship other gods. And then this is sort of the epitaph of him. It, it literally says this about him. His heart was not fully devoted to God. And so we said, for every believer, we want their heart to be fully devoted. If you still got, you know, 80%, 90% devoted to God, but there's still a 10% there where mm -hmm. maybe you're playing with sin or something else, mm -hmm. and you say, no, we're not going to stop there. We, we want your life to be fully devoted mm -hmm. to Him. Mm -hmm. And I think for some believers, this can be overwhelming and almost crippling sometimes. When you look at your life, especially as you become a believer and you see the world in a new way, you have conviction, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and kind of shows you things in your life that you see in a different light. But I remember when we had a conversation one time and you just said the words, just be a little bit more like Christ today than you were yesterday, that it doesn't need to be this Saul to Paul experience where all of a sudden you are a brand new person. You're still going to struggle with the temptations that you had before, but now you have the Holy Spirit 
God's power in your life as well. Amen. And I think when you come to Christ, you go, listen, I got a whole lot of things to work mm -hmm. on. And maybe you take them one at a time. Mm -hmm. but, but my thing would be you never sort of stall or you never arrive. I mean, mm -hmm. sanctification is a lifelong process. Never will we be like Christ until we see him face to face. Mm -hmm. We're in his presence. So there's going to be this constant need for you and I to be being sanctified to the likeness of Christ. And, but I think stopping is not an option. Mm -hmm. this, this constant pursuit of full devotion, every area of our lives yielded to Christ is where we all ought to be. Nobody wants that epitaph of Saul that mm -hmm. his life was not fully devoted mm -hmm. to Christ. That, that would be a horrible thing to mm -hmm. have said about you at your funeral. So we mm -hmm. say, listen, we want to push people toward that. Mm -hmm. I had once heard the phrase, and I love it, and just kind of clung to it, that we could be confident in um, our justification, confident that Christ has died on our behalf. Be patient in your sanctification as it's a lifelong process, and then look forward to your glorification eventually one Amen. day. Amen. That's Romans 8 played mm -hmm. out. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you. Hopefully you had a chance to listen to all the core values. If you didn't, you can go back and check all of them out, and they're found on our website as well if you want to print those and how to make sure that you're living to those as well in your own ministry and your own life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.